Target Program, created by Rio Grande. Los Angeles Police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 177. Be on the lookout for three men. Number one, Glenn Harmon, alias Dick Hunt, age 30. Number two, Byron, alias Jerry Wolf, age 19. Number three, name unknown, age 35 years, driving a Ford D8 sedan. These men are warned by a Missouri sheriff for murder. That's all. Golden Quest.
Saturday night, March 3rd, 1934. From a vantage point behind the counter of his small Jewish camp headquarters, proprietor R.E. Dugan has been watching with growing annoyance a party of four men drinking at one of the tables. Earlier in the evening, the men had walked in and rented one of his bungalows for the night. And now their drinking was getting on Dugan's nerves. Loud, boisterous, the customers put him in mind of others who had stopped his place in the past. Pretty boy Floyd and Barrows, hard-drinking, fast-shooting criminals, wanted by police in every city of the United States. Suspicious, Dugan waits until the men go to their bungalow, then follows them. From outside the window, their voices carry to his ears a conviction of his thoughts. You
Fast, fast moving, fast sinking, Sheriff Paul Rogers puts the wheels of the law into instant action. All through the night, Sheriff cars prowl along deserted roads. Captain Ethridge rode patrolmen watch every out of town highways on the alert for the two cars described by Deputy Hatcher. And Rogers himself drives to the Van Hoos estate. He's the aged capitalist, parked his car in the driveway, enter the house. Apparently, Harmon and his mob are not after Van Hoos, as the sheriff notices nothing to confirm his suspicions. And after watching the house for some time, Sheriff Rogers leaves, convinced that Van Hoos is safe. Sunday comes and goes, and no sign of Harmon. The excitement of Saturday night dies down. Tired deputies relax their vigils, settle once more into the more peaceful job of routine work. Then, Monday morning. Sheriff's office. Sheriff's office. Rogers speaking. Sheriff, you better come out to the Van Hoot place. Something's happened here. What? Mr. Van Hoot has been murdered. Who is this speaking? This partner. I'm at the house now. All right. Stay right there. I'll be out as fast as I can. He tried to do some shooting himself. His gun in his hand has one empty chamber. You think he shot himself, Charles? He didn't have any reason to. Business was fine. No, he didn't do this himself. Someone got nervous and let him have it. That's obvious enough. Say, maybe it was the same bunch that plugged him and took his ring a few years ago. Remember? They found it in St. Louis and got it back for him. Well, that's a good enough theory. Only the ring is still on his fingers, see? Oh, yeah. I, I hadn't noticed. Uh, Frank, come here a minute. Yes, sir. Oh, uh, Frank, I'm going back to the office, and I want you to stay around here and follow through on the investigation. What do you want me to do? Listen, Frank, I haven't got time to explain now, but I got a pretty good idea who did this. Uh-huh. And the sooner I get started looking for him, the better my chances are. Okay, Sheriff, I'll get all I can here. And check with me at the office when you're through. So long. After his hasty departure from the murder scene, Sheriff Rogers notifies the police of all surrounding cities and counties to be on the lookout for Glenn Harmon and his companions. Then he himself begins a minute search of Jasper County. The same day, he begins to get results. Just a minute, you. Hello, Sheriff. What's on your mind? You, among other things. Where's your brother? My brother? Yes, Glenn. Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen him for months. Oh, that's funny. Maybe your eyes aren't so good. What do you mean? You were with him Saturday night. Come on, Les, I'm taking you in. Hey, now, wait a minute. What's the charge? Until you tell me where Glenn is, the charge is murder. Come on. And with a murder charge hanging over him, Les Harmon decides to talk. Claims that he's innocent but that Glenn might be at his brother-in-law's house. And there the sheriff finds not Glenn Harmon, but Charlie Napper, known ex-convict. Surprised by Rogers, before he can draw a gun, Napper is taken in and questioned. Now, listen, sheriff, I know how it is. Just because I've got a record in Illinois, you think that everything that happens is my fault. Well, you're all wrong this time. Would you be willing to face the man who runs that little tourist camp? What? 
What, what sort of camp? The one you and Harmon and the boys were at last Saturday night. What's that got to do with the Van Hoosraff? Then you were there. Maybe. Where's Lynn Harmon, Napper? I don't know. Who else is with you at the camp? Jerry Wolf, the only one I knew. Jerry Wolf? Do you mean Byron Wolf? Maybe. I saw him kill. All right, Napper. You won't tell me where Glenn is, so you and Les are going to take the rap. And this time it's murder. First degree murder. That's what you say, sir. For me, I say nothing. And although Sheriff Rogers realizes that his case against Napper won't stand up, he holds him as a material witness, then proceeds to hunt Glenn Harmon. An unfortunate fact turns up when a check on Jerry Wolf's path brings to light the fact that he lives in Colorado. At once, Rogers travels there, makes inquiries. Inquiries that bring sudden results. Sure, I know. You want money, right? Yes, yes. It's uh, how did you know I was looking for Harmon? All right, come on, spill it, and I'll see that you get what you want. No, no, you think so. Well, how much? Legal robbery, eh? All right, here's your money. Now, how about it? Well, when you can find Harmon in Los Angeles, he's getting mail at 2841 West 8th Street. That's assistance in locating one Glenn Harmon, described as follows. Five foot ten, 150 pounds, age 30 years, dark hair, shallow complexion, wanted for murder by Missouri Sheriff. Might be under alias of Dick Hunt. Companion known as Jerry Wolf, alias Byron Wolf, described as follows. 19 years, 150 pounds, six feet, Detective Joe Taylor's office. Boys, I just talked to Jared Rogers in Colorado. He tells me the Harmon lad is tough. Shoots birds and talks that. Now, you've all got the description of both Harmon and Wolf. Get out and make every dive in town and bring them into me if you can. Oh, uh, one thing more, boys. Don't take any unnecessary chances. You know what I mean by that, huh? Los Angeles police are called into the case. Lose no time cooperating with Sheriff Rogers. But despite a further search of the city, detectives find no trace of either suspect. And the weeks go by. Then, March 27th, into the shop of M. Sunshine, Los Angeles Taylor walks a young man. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. What can I do for you? Put up your hands. Put up your hands. Right, what? You heard me. Put up your hands. And I know that. I'll shoot up, you know. Police! Help me! 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 Help me!
covered in sunshine, wore the most attractive shop with a hardwood chair. Managed to escape being hit, and the young man, panic-stricken, abandoned his hold up ideas and rushes to the street to run directly into the arms of a policeman. Oh, all right, Charles. Let me go. 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 Your height? 
So what? So I think it's about time you stop fooling around and give us a straight answer. What do you mean? Well, there's two sets of practically everything here. Kid, now, what we want to know is, when is Glenn due back? I told you he ain't with me anymore. Okay. Looks like we'll just have to settle down here for a while, eh, McRae? Well, it looks like it. What, what do you mean? I mean, we're going to sit right here until your friend Harmon comes back. And if you make a move to tip him off, you get drilled. But he isn't coming back here. Now, take it easy. My partner and I don't want to get rough, but if we have to... Okay. I get the idea. Good. Now, we're going to sit in here, just out of line of the door. And you're going to sit in that chair with your back to the door. And you're going to sit there nice and quiet-like and wait. Listen, you want me if he thinks I can do it. I can't just sit here waiting for him to walk in and let me have it. Don't worry about that, Jerry. We'll be here to take care of him first. Now, here. Here's a magazine for you to be reading. Matt, suppose you take one side here. I'll take the other. That way we can see the door and also keep an eye on Jerry here, just in case. Yeah. There, huh. Now, there's nothing to do but wait. Relax, Jerry. Take it easy and read your magazine. Listen, I can't stand up waiting like this. Ah, ah, Jerry, take it easy. Just remember what I said. Relax. Jerry Wolf leaves the room. Walk a block down the street to a little beer joint. 
Forging ahead of McRae and Wolf, Tom will enter the loan. For an instant, he stands at the door, looking about for Harmon. Then, suddenly, his eyes light as he spots him in a corner booth with two girls. Quietly, he drifts through the crowd, reaches a point beside the booth. Afraid to drop his gun for fear of a general battle in the crowded place, he slowly reaches into his pocket, pulls out a badge. Then, saying nothing, he lays it on the table before Harmon's startled gaze. Huh? Hey, hey, what's this? You're under arrest, friend. Don't start anything or I'll let you have it. You've you got me wrong, Tom. I'm not wanted for anything. Come on, Harmon. Get up peacefully and you won't get hurt. Otherwise, I'm taking no chances. Good reading, and it's free. 
See your Rio Grande dealer tomorrow. Attention all cars, the cancellation broadcast 177, regarding men wanted by a Missouri official. These men are now in custody. That's all. Rose and Cliff. Frederick Lindsay, bid you good night for Rio Grande.